Welcome to Sharing the Magic, the podcast that takes you on a journey through the enchanting worlds of Disney. Each week, we're joined by a special guest. Whether they're a magician creating moments of astonishment or a Disney expert sharing the secrets behind the magic of the happiest place on earth. Together, we'll uncover the stories, inspirations, and behind-the-scenes tales that bring these worlds to life. So, get ready to be spellbound and transported to a place where dreams come true. Hello and welcome to Sharing the Magic, the ultimate Disney podcast where we explore the enchanted world of Disney. We love to interview people and hear their stories about what they've done for Disney, what they're doing for Disney, and what their future plans for Disney are. So sit back and listen. Tonight we have a gentleman joining us who is a Disney historian as well as an author and just a good normal human being that you're going to love to listen to and he's going to be here in just a minute. First we're going to go ahead and introduce our cast tonight. And we have the Disney dad himself, Matt. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing great, Barry. I'm really excited to talk to uh, Bill tonight. Absolutely. And we have the the Disney mama, Lisa. Lisa, how you doing? Hi, I I am really good. Um, I I may have smiled just a little bit when you said just a normal human being. I thought, <laughs> what is normal, anyways? <laughs> Well, if you listen to some of our shows, some of them are a little, <laughs> little off there. So, so we'll see where this takes us. Okay. All right. And I am your host, your ghost host, Barry. There's no no way to introduce the man himself. You've probably seen him on the Behind the, the Attraction show. He's written a bunch of books for uh, the World's Fair and also the Wonderful World of Disney. We're happy to have Bill Cotter on tonight. How you doing, Bill? Thanks. You know, I, I wish I could uh, do a good cartoon voice because it was it the it was it the Bugs Bunny that said he don't know me very well, do he? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'd like to think I'm mostly normal. Oh, you, usually we should say usually those are, those are the best ones. The hidden the hidden treasures or hidden secrets make the best interviews. So, Bill, let's uh, jump right in, and why don't you tell us about? Um, how you got into Disney and how uh, how you fell in love with it. Yeah, I, I grew up uh, watching Disney television. I was uh, born in Brooklyn, so I grew up there. Never, ever thought I'd ever get out to Disneyland. It was it was too far. You know, I, we, my dad was really great taking us places. I had four younger brothers. So, you know, going someplace was a, a basically like invading Normandy. Side of the people in a station wagon and off, off you went. Uh, and I could never understand. He would take us to places like Freedom Land or the Bronx Zoo or Jones Beach or Lake Opacon. We'd go all these great places, but I had no idea why he wouldn't take us to Disneyland, not realizing it's 3,000 miles away. <laughs> so, um, you know, I watched it on television and I, I just grew up. I was in the right spot. Uh, one of my early memories was sitting there with my Mickey Mouse Club uh, shirt on, uh, eating uh dinner off a Mickey Mouse uh, lap tray as we watched the Mickey Mouse Club on TV. And my younger brother and I would, uh, you know, just uh, eat it up and, uh, you know, loved it. So uh, I watched all the shows and, you know, I, I, I have to tell you, I was just crazy about it. David Crockett and Zorro and so many of them. So like everything else, you get compartmentalized. Uh, you know, you, you grow up and after a while, all the stories of the boy and his dog, the boy and his bear, the boy and his aardvark, you know, some of the shows I stopped watching. Went off to college and, uh, you know, the, the Disney start was kind of put in the back. Now it's more, how do I pass grades and how much are the beers at the student union sort of thing. But I got out of college and I my degrees in electrical and computer engineering. And I went to work for the United States Navy designing uh, nuclear missile submarines. So uh, uh, we have the Polaris uh, subs, the Poseidon subs, the newest ones, the Trident subs. And I wrote the operating system for the launch control computers on the uh, the submarines. Well, we had a day where we were going to go test the new missile, which was a lot bigger than the last missile. We were at the Cape Kennedy, and they were trying to decide if the missile blew up on the pad, uh, what would happen to the uh, 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 
you know, if it went off. And they said, everybody take the day off. Everybody else wanted to go play golf. I'm not a really good golfer. So I went over to Disney World with them. They all went to the golf course. I went to the Magic Kingdom. And when I went through the door, it was like the light bulb, the, the ignition went off of the memories that were buried. I had gone to the 64 World's Fair a lot, an awful lot. Uh, and I enjoyed the Disney pavilions there, the, uh, you know, Mr. Lincoln and the Carousel of Progress on it. But going through the gate, all of a sudden, it was like going to the World's Fair, and there's Mr. Lincoln's here, and uh, the uh, Carousel of Progress is here, and the monorail and everything. So uh, I went off and asked uh, Disney. I, I went to the, uh, one of the shops, bought a tie, went over to what was called the casting building and applied for a job. And I thought I'd be doing uh, programming, you know, at the Country Bears or things like that. So we had a long, long talk uh, about my background and all the security work I was doing for the government, my clearance and that. And it turned out Disney wanted somebody that was uh, take care of computer security for the company. Because uh, amazingly, in 1976, they didn't have anybody. So I got hired and uh, it was I, I didn't really want to do it at first. I really wanted to go, you know, do the Country Bears. But they said, okay, we'll make you a deal. Uh, if you don't like it after a year, we'll guarantee you a job at, at Imagineering. It was called WED at the time. We'll guarantee you a job at WED. But I ended up having a really great job because I'd work a month at the studio. Then I'd go work a month at Disneyland. Then I'd go work a month at a, a WED. Then I'd go work a month at Disney World. And I rotated all throughout the company. And uh, it was really great to go to Disney World on a full expense account. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> but I got to work on uh, all sorts of, you know, computer security, like somebody stealing money in the Contemporary Resort, using a computer. We caught her and made the Orlando Sentinel for that. Uh, but then it was also fun to go work on things like Space Mountain. They had already built the one in Florida, but we were building the one in California. And engineers always like to change things. If you remember the one line in one of the Star Trek movie where you know McCoy comes on board, he says engineers just love to change things. They had a totally different computer system in Disneyland than the one at Disney World. So now I was the guy that would be the final sign-off on where all the ride computers going to be safe. Because I had the mandate, nobody gets hurt on a ride, nobody steals money using a computer, go make it happen. So uh, that was it was it was it was really great. I started in 1976, and it was a, a great time to start. Uh, there were still so many people uh, of the uh, traditional classic Disney days still there, and my boss was still in Florida. And uh, was what happened. I hired on Disney said you're all great. I quit my job, tell my girlfriend I'm moving and everything, and then Disney said change your mind, jobs on Florida, it's in California. Do you still want it? And I go, well, a little late. Yeah, I guess so. Flew out here, said, yeah, I, I'll take it. Got out here. As soon as I got here, oh, we need you back in Florida. So it was kind of a crazy start. Wow. But my boss was in Florida. I was out at the studio. And uh, I had my first office was in what's called the Shorts Building. And it then moved over from the all Hyperion Studios. And uh, down the hall, Jimmy McDonald was teaching Wayne Alwyn to do the voice of uh, Mickey Mouse. I had nothing to do my first week or two so i'd walk around and hi who are you what do you do you're an animator oh what was your name oh ollie johnston oh i'm frank thomas uh, you know i'm bill call you know and it just look at it now it's like a kid in a candy store i was just in the right. lucky spot i still can't get over the fact that so you have <laughs> you have this long like great career with Disney and you're talking about seeing all these things, but you started off before any of that designing nuclear submarines for the Navy. Right. Right. It's like, like anybody would just be like, yeah, that's my career. And that's what I could talk about all night. And then you're like, Oh yeah. Nah, then, I don't want to do way, that. I want to go to Disney. Went, nah, I'm good. Yeah. I went over and did all that. That's so, what was that switch? Like, it, was it, it was like, Oh, I just want to do it. What had happened in college. I had worked a, a year for the phone company as a summer job. And uh, somebody said, hey, I, I understand there's a way to make free phone calls. And I said, yeah, I guess there would be if we did this, this, and that. Well, the uh, uh, the negative side of that was making the New York Times as, uh, you know, criminal mastermind age 19, uh, <laughs> getting arrested for phone, uh, phone hacking. The upside of it was the United States Navy saying, hey, if you're the guy that beat the phone company, could you also try to beat the fail-safe system? So uh, I said, okay, so as a, you know, intellectual exercise was real interesting and i love the submarine work it was it was really fascinating i mean i uh 20 21 years old going out on the submarines and uh, basically when you built them somebody had to take them for the test dive 
and all the married guys didn't want to go. Uh, I, I got paid a fortune to go do it. So, yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll do it. It's fun. But I came to the realization about a year, year and a half into the job uh, that there were only two customers for what we were doing. One was the U.S. Navy and one was the uh, British Navy, the Royal Navy. And that everything moved at a snail's pace because everybody realized if we do this really, really fast, then the job's over sort okay. of thing. I'm more of a type A person. I want to go. I got to go get into that sort of thing. So I was enjoying the, the technical challenges of what I was doing. But I also looked down the road and said, where am I going to be X number of years? I looked at some of the people I was working with who were really nice people. But I asked, how long have you been doing this? And they've been in the same job for 10, 14 years or so. And I didn't want to be in the same job for 14 years. I wanted to do something different. So I had been thinking about uh, uh, getting out. And as a matter of fact, I had sent a letter to Disneyland and Disney World saying, you know, do you need any computer people? And I got back a form letter from both of them saying no, which was interesting because they uh, it, it they were both signed by the same guy. I'm terrible on names, absolutely horrible on names. <laughs> uh, I'm glad your names are on the screen so I don't forget who's who. <laughs> but I never forget, I got this letter from this uh, guy, Kenneth P. Kelly. You know, we can't use you. If you're ever in the area, look me up. But we can't, you know, they're not going to pay me to come down there. So uh, when I go down there, uh, and I, I happen to be there. I go in and ask for an interview, and they put me in a room, and here's a guy, and his name place says Kenneth B. Kelly. And uh, he says, hi, I'm Kenneth Kelly. And I said, no, you're not. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, I, I tried you know, this letter, and I got the letter, and there's two different signatures. You know, Kenneth Kelly must be like a uh, the Betty Crocker of uh, okay. Disney employment. And he goes, no, I was on assignment out there, and somebody was signing all my mail. I was so backlogged. And he was <laughs> the guy that saw the uh, light in me that, you know, uh, you know, we got lots of guys that do uh, country bears, but we don't have anybody that does this computer security. So Kenneth P. Kelly, un unknowingly, and that, that day in 1976, took my life and made it go that way. And, you know, that's, wow. that's why I remember really well. So cool. But it was it was different, you know, working for the government. Uh, like I said, it was very slow. Disney, I, I took to like a duck to water. It was very high uh, uh, pace thing. I mean, if you... Or building something like Space Mountain, and you got to open on a certain day. You got to get the job done. Right. And right. Disney liked the fact that I had the mentality with the the Navy that when the because uh, the submarine if the computers broke in a submarine, I might have to go out to the submarine to fix it. And I had a real deadline because that ship had to sail at a certain date. I better get the thing fixed or I'm sailing with it. So, uh, like I said, it it, it worked out. I. I I, I keep counting my lucky stars. I was in the right spot the right day on that day that I walked in there and sat down in front of it. I mean, if I had met a different interviewer, who knows where it could have gone. It was just, uh, you know. Lined up for you. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. That's probably like the most interesting. So we've we have we've been doing this for some time, not a super long time, but that's got to be one of the most interesting like beginnings mm -hmm. to getting into to Disney that I've ever heard. You go from being a criminal mastermind <laughs> to nuclear submarine designer to let's go work at you know at disney like that is that is so cool that's a the only, the only the only thing that would top that would be if if someone like worked for the secret service or was a spy and then they said nah nah i i i, I want to do peter pan's flight but remember <laughs> I'm good, if, I'm good. if bill was a spy he wouldn't be able to tell us well i could tell that's you facts oh yeah yeah. <laughs> that's facts too <laughs> so bill let me let me ask you so um when you got in um so who who were some of the people that let's say held your hand when you went into disney um who who, who were who were some of your mentors well there weren't really any because nobody was doing what i was doing it was a brand new field and uh that nobody had uh, taking the thought seriously. I mean, in the world we live in today, obviously, computer security is, uh, you know, you got to be insane and paranoid. Back then, uh, when I got to the studio, and this is no exaggeration, the, it was a big mainframe computer. And the computer room did not have a door, a lock on the door. And I said, what's, what the hell? I mean, what, it's not even locked. And I said, yeah, the operators would keep going out to the men's room and kept locking themselves out. So we took the lock off the door. And I said, you know, <laughs> time, time out, we got to fix that. So uh, I didn't have anybody that was, uh, uh, you know, for the computer side. As a matter of fact, I first got there and I don't know what I'm going to do, but how am I going to set up computer security? So uh, I convinced Disney to send me to Washington 
And I was uh, able to meet with people that were doing what I was going to be doing at uh, places like the Treasury Department, the FBI, uh, Department of Commerce. I went to about six different government agencies, asked for all their manuals, uh, you know, what do you do, how do you do it, and that sort of thing. And I tell you, I don't think they would have done it for most companies, but the fact they said, hi, I'm here from Disney, people just opened the door. So uh, I made some really good contacts in the federal government, came out of it, and started setting stuff up. So uh, he got to know the fact that I was interested in the TV shows, and we'd spend all sorts of time just walking around the back lot, and he'd say, like, yeah, here's where we did this, here's where we did that. And I had different ideas for different things I wanted to do, non-computerized, you know, for different Disney projects. And Louis, let me introduce you to people. I know everybody. And then he was also really good. Like when I was doing the book on Disney television and you want to call up somebody and you say, how do I get through this guy? How do I get past this agent or anything? Louis, hang on. Let me call him for you. So uh, that was, that was a, a, Louis was a great guy. And his son, John Debney, now a very famous composer, does a lot of music uh, for Hollywood. But Lou Debney was a, a really uh, just a, a fun Fun guy, o older guy, took this, you know, 24-year-old youngster under his, uh, you know, uh, you know, his wing. And, you know, he, he was he was a good guy to know. And I was lucky. I got to know uh, others. Like I mentioned, my first week I walked out there, you know, who, who are you? What do you do? Ollie Johnston. Name didn't ring a bell to me at the time. But we had a program at the studio that was really kind of fun where you could take home the 16 millimeter print of any of the theatrical features and two, uh, three cartoons. And the only gating factor was they only had, I think, two projectors and two screens. Well, I realized if I bought my own projector and screen, I could take home and move me at night. So I, I started like at, you know, well, Snow White, I'll start watching Snow White. And then you start seeing the names up on the screen, you know, supervising animators, Frank Thomas, you go, well, that's the guy I talked to this morning, you know? So go back down the hall and say, hey, you know, I didn't realize you've been here since Snow White. And, you know, it's odd. Oh, Snow White was here years before that. Let me tell you about it. You know, so it was, like I said, there were so many of them around, you know, crazy guys like Lord Kimball. You know, I mean, uh, you get Lord going on a, 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 a thing. It was hard to turn it back off. But uh, it was it was a great, great time. There were a lot of the uh, the old Disney uh, stalwarts were still around, both at the studio in the theme parks and at, uh, at Wynn. So, Bill, I got to ask you real quick, because you've mentioned... Uh, every time when you you're telling us a story about getting into into Disney, you kept mentioning you wanted to work on Country Bears. Was that like your favorite attraction? Was that just something that, called, like, why Country Bears? Well, you know, I, I I liked all the audio animatronics. I definitely remember the '64 World's Fair when Mr. Lincoln stood up from his chair, and people were thinking it was a real actor. Uh, they they really thought it was uh you know. Uh, uh, the, the, there was a pavilion at the World's Fair, SKF, that gave out three samples of ball bearings. And why you'd ever give out three ball bearings? So what does anybody <laughs> do with them? Well, if you're a kid from New York, you take a, a straw and you shoot ball bearings at Mr. Lincoln. And they'd have to come and pick it out of the skin. But, you know, people were doing it to see if he'd react. So I love that. I love the Carousel of Progress. I guess I keep thinking about the Country Bears because it was such a fun show. Um, I mean, we unfortunately don't have it here at Disneyland anymore. But uh, I just got a kick out of it, you know, and I got to know some of the voice actors like Pete Renaday and that. But, you know, it was just a fun thing with the bears and the music and everything going. It was such a big, epic thing that, uh, you know, I still, every time I go to Disney World, I, I think of Beeline, got to see the Carousel of Progress. But that's pretty sedate. And you see one, you know, I mean, there's maybe five characters on the stage or something at one time. You get the country bears at the finale and, you know, the whole bear band's playing and Teddy Bear is coming down and everybody's, I just, I just really got a kick out of it. Then when they did the overlays for it, for like the Christmas show and, and that sort of stuff, uh, you know, I, I, I just think that uh, I, I still hate the, that they took it out of uh, California. It was, mm. I, I enjoyed the show. It's, it's a favorite in our household as well. We definitely love going over there and, we, we, you know, we've heard that there's the change where they're going to be changing up some of the show. We'll see how that is. But my my father-in-law's name is Al and Big Al is like his favorite. And we like we always have to go see Country Bears. So you kept saying it. I had to I had to ask. Yeah. Big Al Bertino. Big Al. <laughs> so, uh, Bill, let, let me ask you now. So you got rooted into um, Disney working for both Disneyland and Disney World. Um 
So was your was your love for Disney brought on by the World's Fair? Well, I think it started with the television series. Um, you know, uh, like I said, my, some of my very early memories, Mickey Mouse Club, Zorro, Davy Crockett, and then the World's Fair. Uh, that opened when I was 12 years old. And uh, it was it was very close to home, and my parents basically said that I could go as often as I could afford it. So back at that point in time in New York, uh, a soda bottle had a two cent deposit on it, and a bigger soda bottle had a five cent one. And I could tell you, within about a five mile radius of my house on Long Island, there wasn't a soda bottle to be found. Uh, I, I just scavenged everything in sight. And my next younger brother, he was really smart. He wanted to go to the World's Fair, too. And my parents said I could go if I took Jim. Jim was really smart. He realized uh, if I didn't pay to, for, for the tickets for the two of us, I couldn't go. So <laughs> Jim and I, I scavenged soda bottles like mad. We'd go. We had a great time. We got along really well together. And But uh, I went to the fair. And like I said, loved it. Went for the two years. It closed. And I you know, never thought I'd see any of that stuff again uh, then disney world uh, came along and then when disney said we were changing our mind we we're going to move me to california they flew me out for a weekend so i came out for four days and i, I interviewed people at the studio and looked for apartments but i also made the drive to disneyland and now i tell you it was really kind of a, a almost it sounds hokey but sort of a religious experience to actually walk through the front gate after seeing it on television for 30 years or something and, you know, it's so different, of course, in Florida. I mean, the, the whole size of it and everything was so different. But um, to, to be walking down that main street and, uh, you know, it, and I, I was having a hard time, you know, reconciling the difference in scale between the two of them. But to finally be going down the street at Disneyland after, you know, uh, thinking back to the eight-year-old kid that was always asking, Dad, why won't you take us? And so it, it, I had fun with it uh, when I went to work for for Disney, uh, you know, you get to know the different people. And I, I took a picture of uh, myself shaking hands with Mickey one day. And I said, you know, uh, having a word with the boss. And my father, of course, went back. He said he, he had been out to visit in, I think, 1967 or nine or somewhere in there. And he had a picture of him shaking hands with uh, 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 Mickey. And he said, well, I've known him let, uh, uh, you know, longer. And I said, yeah, but I know I'm better, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> and I tell you, going to work for Disney was great. You, you work for the Navy and you tell people, oh, I build atomic submarines. And I go, oh, that's, that's different. You say I work for Disney. Whoa. Wow. It, it, it really, you know, it, it, it got, it's still to this day, I guess, a tremendous reaction out of people, um, you know, because of, you know, everybody knows it. You know, people who know submarines go out, they go under, they come up. But what happens inside is kind of a blind box. Disney, almost everybody on the planet has had some sort of Disney experience, you know, whether it's theme parks or the ships or just on television. So, yeah, it was, um, like I said, it was it was a great spot. It really, uh, you know, it, it connected with all sorts of different things. I, I was very, very lucky to be where I was. Do, do you have a, a favorite between Disneyland and Disney World? Or is that just you too know, difficult to pick? It, it's it's hard to say. Uh, I think Disneyland, in one respect, uh, because you know that Walt was there. He walked down the streets and he had his right. hand on it. Uh, I also like the uh, size of uh, the scale that the buildings are much more intimate. Uh, I also like the fact that it's a hell of a lot less humans. So uh, there's no doubt <laughs> that. But uh, Disney World, uh, you know, the the sure scope of everything. I mean, now when I go back, uh, you know, and you see the, uh, the you know. Animal uh, Kingdom and, uh, you know, uh, Epcot was the last thing I worked on. So everything after that is, is new. But, uh, you know, uh, so there's still certain things when you, you can look at something. So I had a hand in that. It gives you a sort of special, you know, reminder. And then, of course, when they change something, then you get mad at them that they changed it. But, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it, yeah, I, I told people the first time in my life I ever felt old, I went to the U.S., the Royal Navy Submarine Museum in Portsmouth, England. And I walked in and something I designed was on display and all the kids were pushing the buttons on it. And it was so secret when I did it, I couldn't even tell my family what I did for a living. And here's kids pushing buttons. I go, oh, God. <laughs> so now, you know, things I helped do for Disney have already been retired and scrapped. You know, it's it's uh, it's, it's just kind of the circle of life, I guess, right? But no, I, I enjoy both parks. Um, you know, um, anytime I get a chance to go to either one, uh, you know, uh, but certainly, you know, 
uh, I'm happy to go back. Uh, going back to Disneyland the next time, I think uh, December 6th. So uh, going with some friends that uh, I owe a favor to and taking them down there and going to have a fun day. Nice. I, I have to ask everybody that has been to both that I know because we've only been to Disney World, my wife and I, and we're uh, debating about going to Disneyland this summer if we should do that instead of our annual Disney World trip. So I always ask everybody, like, which one should we go to? Which one do they like? And everybody tells us they're both different. They're both great. And they're making the decision very difficult for us. We're leaning towards Disneyland because we've never been there. You know, but... I would do it just because it, it's different. There are certain things like uh, New Orleans Square, for example. You know, you don't have that at all you know, for right. Disney uh, World. Um, you know, of course, the whole California Adventure, you know, park is, is you know, something different. Right. And it's not the greatest theme park in the world. It, you know, it's done, you know, on the cheap. It's been improved, but it's got a very nice uh, aesthetic to it. Um, you know, you, you walk in, it's, it's good eye candy. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Um, and then, like I said, if you go out to uh, Disneyland, it, there are, you know, a number of things that are different between the two. And, you uh, you know, our pirates is slightly different. Our on mansion is slightly different. You know, uh, you know. So yeah, I if it, to me, if I've been to Disney World eight, ten times, I would make it sure. And I've been lucky. I've been to a bunch of the other Disney parks around the world because of my job. They're all different. You know, I I, I really loved uh, Tokyo Disneyland. I loved Euro Disneyland. But you know, you're, to to me, Disneyland is still where it all began. So I think if you're a real Disney fan, you need to, to make a pilgrimage to the birthplace. All right. I'm going to use this as ammunition to convince my wife. <laughs> well, you know what you ought to do, too, is look at the D23 schedule. And I don't know how far it goes out, but they uh, do offer tours of the Disney Studios, and uh, including Walt's office. And uh, oh, okay. if you're able to combine a trip out here and, and you know go see the Disney Studios, that, that's a really special you know sort of thing, right. too, that most people aren't able to do that they they do offer these you know group things several times a year and if you can get in and take a tour like i said they go into walt's office is uh it's it's an almost religious experience that's cool yeah we're we're hoping uh if we go it would line up because the the d23 expo is in august now instead of i guess september i know you've you've done the d23 expo right. so that's something that we you know we're we're really interested in what what's that like like going to these types of big I guess like the the world's biggest fan event for Disney. Like, what is that like being there? I tell you, it's overwhelming. I, I often don't go to these things uh, because of, of the crowds. I mean, uh, I like Disney, but some people are Disney fanatics. I think myself, I think of myself uh, slightly less than fanatic, uh, slightly higher than, you know, casual interest. But I don't want to wait on ten, a 10 hour line for anything. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. it was a 10 hour line. And they said, you have a chance to meet Walt Disney and he's giving away free Lamborghinis. I say, I want the line. You know, I mean, <laughs> so I, I, I'm lucky that when I go to one of these things, I get a pass that I can just drive in the back, park in, walk in the back door and skip the lines. If I, I, I and I sometimes I go out and meet people I know and, you know, how long have you been online? And, uh, you know, say, so, oh, it's six hours or something. That to me, I just have a hard time of, of waiting for anything. When we opened Space Mountain in California, we were trying to figure out how long the line was going to be. And the design, if you look at it, was been changed a bit now. But, you know, you go up a, a speed ramp, you go up to the top, you go through it and everything. Well, pretty soon we realized you had to put people at the top and bottom of the speed ramp because people would keep getting on the speed ramp and there was no place to go up top. So now you had to have a cast member coming down. But when we opened that line, uh, opened Space Mountain, the line went all the way to the train station on Main Street. I mean, all the way through Tomorrowland, down to the hub, <laughs> down Main Street, around it, up to the train station. And we were trying to figure out, maybe we ought to slow the line to the right down a little so we can get them out the gate, you know. But, I mean, <laughs> it's a two-minute, 31-second ride or whatever, and people waited right. for three and a half hours for it, you know. Oh, uh, wow. You know, I, I'm like I said, I'm more of a type A, well, what else can I do? Where can I go? What can yeah. I do? You know, waiting on the line that long, particularly if you have kids, you know, wow. I mean, yeah, that's a long time but i tell you the d23 things are a lot of fun when i spoke at the one in uh uh florida a number of years ago you know they do the mini one they call it like destination d one, yeah. and they were doing something to promote the movie tomorrowland that i worked on and about the world's fair and i met some people because i mean you get to know all the people on the west coast i met some east coast disney people 
that I'm still in touch with, that we do all sorts of stuff, like even going on vacation together. You know, I mean, oh, this nice. is yeah, uh, a, a guy named Kenneth Carpenter. He's probably one of the smartest people I've ever met. Works for NASA. Uh, he was one of the guys that helped uh, uh, salvage the Hubble Space Telescope when it went wrong. But turned out he is a, a, a big Disney fan. He's a big Star Trek fan, and uh, he liked to go on vacations in uh, uh, Lake George, New York. So I said, oh, well, I'm a Star Trek fan. I'm a Disney fan. I like to go to uh, Lake George. So we met up in Lake George as a, a recreation of the Star Trek sets up in uh, Ticonderoga, New York. So Kenneth has been out. We went to that, you know, like kids in a toy store. <laughs> out here. We've been to Disneyland. We've been to Disney Studios. We've been everywhere. And like I said, I never would have met the guy if it wasn't for the that convention and that's one of the things I, I i really enjoy the conventions of that because you get a chance to do q a and uh, you can really meet some interesting people that um you know I, i've really enjoyed talking to a bunch of them and really uh you know uh, enjoying their experiences or you know what do they like what do they you know what are their memories that sort of thing and like i said sometimes you're kind of oh my god i grew up two miles away from where you lived and you know that it's it's a you know, you, you do things through, through Zoom like this. It's one thing, but when you're sitting down and having a hamburger with somebody and you start talking and all of a sudden, you know, you, you can enjoy it. So I, I did like a talk up in uh, Seattle. Uh, we were taking a, a, a cruise to Alaska and I agreed to speak to some Disney people up there. And we just had a great time sitting in a place, having a beer, and just relaxing. And, you know, it's a, so I, I enjoy the conventions. I, I find them uh, to be uh, uh, really good. Now, sometimes you do have to worry. Sometimes some of the people are different, you know. <laughs> when my Disney book came out on Disney television, uh, it was really a race to get it out before the convention that year. I think it was 97. And I had not seen the book in, in print until we got there. And uh, there was a woman that came in and, uh, you know, I, I get to the bookstore the next You know, I go and look at it the first morning. Oh, my, thank God it's here. So they said, if the book's not here, we're just going to send you home. So, uh, but uh, we were staying at the Grand Floridian for a week. It was great. Disney was treating us great. But I get to the bookstore where they're going to, uh, the gift shop, they're going to be selling it. And I said to the security guard, I said, I'm supposed to sign books. Uh, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. And he goes, oh, I'll, I'll take you in. And he goes, I, I said, I hope people show up for it. He goes, are you kidding? And there's a line of 100 people already, you know, wow. down in the hall. <laughs> but this one woman came up. And, uh, you know, says something about, uh, do you have, uh, you know, high hopes for the books? And I said, oh, yeah. It's, I said, it's got to sell a lot of them because it's the only way my kids are ever going to be able to go to college. <laughs> Joking, right? Next thing I know, this lady's out going in the lobby of the Contemporary Resort telling people, you need to buy that man's book. He really needs the money. Yeah. <laughs> then then she kept coming up and, and yeah. there was a... Uh, 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 Disney was really nice. A plate of chocolate chip cookies and a bottle of water and everything. And she's staring and staring and staring. I said, did you want something? He goes, I'd really like a cookie. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, I have a cookie. So then she starts asking, where do I live? And I go, oh, we're not going to go down that path. So okay. I, I said, well, I live outside of Los Angeles. And she goes, where? I said, oh, up in a mountain you, uh, you never heard of. You know, you'd never be able to find it. She goes, uh, do you use, uh, can I get your email address? I said, oh, I don't believe in computers. Never use them. <laughs> and I told the kids... <laughs> I told my family, don't tell this lady anything, because I, I literally didn't want her showing up at the house. Well, the next day, I go to another book signing in Lake Buena Vista, and I get there, and she's there already. And oh I said, uh, you know, hi again. You know, she goes, yeah, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure that you get enough people to you know sell books. I said, no, I was only kidding yesterday. I'm not really looking <laughs> for anything. But she was doing the same thing. She's going around. People are shopping or anything, and they're trying to buy mouth ears, and she's just you know, you, you need to spend that money because that man's desperate. <laughs> <laughs> so every, I keep joking. My family likes to have a hard time with me. We go to some convention. You get just getting ready to talk or something. And my daughter would say something like, hey, that lady's here. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably always watching for her now, right? <laughs> oh, my. Well, we have a surprise, was... Bill. She's here tonight. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the curtain. You, you appreciate uh, people's uh, enthusiasm, but sometimes people, uh, they, they don't realize sometimes put in perspective. I, I you, You'll go to something and someone will come up and start talking to you and carrying on a conversation that last happened seven years ago. 
and they'll carry it on like you just you know finished it now and you're trying to remember where do i know this person from and like i said i'm terrible on names i really got off terrible on names and i'm trying to remember all right what was the context where i saw you what were we talking about where was it oh it was there yeah and you know great but you know I don't want to sound pretentious, but people will say, you know, uh, you know, you go to someone, you speak at like a D23, and it'd be 3,000 people in a room. Well, there's one of me and 3,000 of them. They can remember me. I can't remember all 3,000 of them, particularly if you're beyond the first four rows. You can't see anybody in the dark right. anyway. But people will come up and start talking to you about something, and you go, God, what, uh, you know, am I having a senior moment? When was that? Oh, seven years ago. Yeah, right. Okay, sure. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> It, it it seems like a lot of that Kathy Bates from Misery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know it it it, it it's it's funny. Uh, you, you joke with people, and they'll they'll say like, uh, you know, uh, sometimes you, you'd be in a restaurant or something. Well, this happened. Star Trek. We, we mentioned we went up to the reunion. Uh, the the Stetson uh, Ticonderoga. So Kenneth and I go up there, and we're waiting to go in for the tour. And this one woman's in the lobby, and she says, "I know you from someplace." And I go, um, well, my picture is a lot of post offices. Have you seen it there? Maybe right over her head. <laughs> no, 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 that's not it. I know you from someplace. And I said, I, I don't know where that would be. I, I, I said, where do you live? And she said, whatever, Vermont. I said, well, I live in California. Probably haven't run into each other. And the guy that was given the tour came out, and he's actually a, a well-known uh, guy named Doug Drexler, well-known in the Star Trek community. And uh, I know him from out here. And I mentioned to him I was going to be back in New York, but that was like two months earlier. So he comes out to give the tour and he starts and he goes, uh, okay, we're going to be going in the sense of the, uh, the Starship Enterprise. This is just like Paramount Studios in 1967. Goes, oh my God, it's Bill Potter. What are you doing here? And the lady, that's where I know you from. Yeah. Because <laughs> he had seen me on one of the Disney, I'm on about a dozen of the Disney DVDs and done the stuff with the Disney Channel and stuff. But, you know, it's, I, I tell you, if you ever want to be put in your place, though, for, for thinking that, you know, when your head gets swollen, you know, that along with somebody. Of all the things I've done for Disney, I think the thing I really uh, was most flattered to be part of was Walt, the man behind the myth, the uh, the documentary. Mm -hmm. Diane Disney had asked me to do it. I had met her at another event. We became friends and she asked me to do it. So 9-11 uh, hits and all commercial TV goes off. And the very first show to come back on is Walt, the man behind the myth. And my wife is calling upstairs to my daughter, come on, Dad, it's there, Daddy's on TV. And my daughter yells out, I've seen him on TV. You know, <laughs> they just blew my bubble right there. You know, but uh, the family is a great way of, uh, if you ever get an inflated ego of bringing you back down to earth. You know, you, you think you're a big shot and everything, and then my wife was, are you going to walk the dog? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I saw the BillCotter.com, but you also have a website about the World's Fair, and you had several links and several resources. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the books that you have written or that you're working on? Um and where you find all of the information that you research. Yeah, I went to, as I mentioned, the 64 World's Fair a lot. And a uh, uh, number of years ago, I, I, I had taken a number of pictures. Um, I had an uncle that was really into photography, Uncle Steve, and he was really great. Because every time he'd want to get a new camera, he would give me his old one. And Loretta would say, Steve, did you buy another camera? Yeah, I'm teaching Billy this. And uh, it, it was great, but uh, I, I still to this day consider myself a god-awful, terrible photographer. But you know, I was 12 years old, taking what pictures I could and everything. Over the years, uh, what happened was funny thing. I left Disney and I went to work for Warner Brothers. I was with Disney full-time, six years, and I did 15 years after that with Warner's. But I was in New York one day where uh, we had a meeting, that all-day meeting, and it got canceled that morning at breakfast. Something happened. They said, okay. We'll, we'll do it tomorrow. And I had a day with nothing to do. Well, a day with nothing to do in New York is great, right? So uh, what do I do? I, I took the number seven train and went back out to Flushing Meadows, and I walked all throughout the park. And I took a lot of pictures of Flushing Meadows Park, uh, you know, reminding myself. Because, um, again, I hadn't thought much about the World's Fair in, in years, but I think this is where GE was. And I'm pretty sure this is so and such was. And I came back and I started putting uh, advertisements in newspapers, uh, both in New York and national collector papers about uh, if you have any World's Fair souvenirs, I'll buy them, uh, particularly interested in your photos. And uh, so I started buying all these uh, photos to add to my own collection. And 
I was getting a good number of them. And uh, there was an event, I think it was 1989 or so, uh, where uh, a whole bunch of us New York World's Fair enthusiasts came back to New York. And uh, I walked through the fairgrounds again with my mother. And I'm, again, I remember, I said, that's where the GE Pavilion was. And my mother said, no, that's where Italy was. Because she's thinking of the 39 World's Fair. I'm thinking 64. So I had all this stuff. I went to this convention, talked to a bunch of the World's Fair you know, nerds, and we had a good time. And the anniversary of the World's Fair was coming up. I think it was the 40th anniversary. And another author was committed to write a book about it. And he turned it in, and the publisher rejected it, saying it was unpublishable. So they went to a guy, uh, his name is Bill Young, and he runs a, a website about the 64 World's Fair. And they asked, you know, Mr. Young, is there any chance you could write a book for us? And well, yeah, I could write a book, but I don't have any pictures. But I did meet this guy that does have them. So Bill called me up, and uh, he lives in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. And uh, he be, we had a great partnership. I'd say, okay, I write chapters one, three, five, and seven. You write two, four, six. And then I would edit his, he edit mine. It, our writing styles are so homogenous that now I look at the book and I have a hard time remembering which of the uh, you know sections I wrote, which he wrote. I know all the really good stuff was the stuff I wrote, but it, it was uh, we had fun. <laughs> so we, we put out the book, and uh, by a company called Arcadia Publishing, and they do all these books around uh, the, the country. Where if you go to almost any place, there'll be a book on you know uh, ghost towns of New Jersey or uh, you know uh, summer cottages of this Jersey Shore or whatever. So we did the book, and it became their bestseller which was really nice because not just New York people bought the book, but people from around the country and around the world had bought the book. So um, a number of years went by and I said, how would you like a book on the 39 World's Fair? And I did that. And then they said, hey, uh, you know, the 64 book keeps selling. Would you do a, like to do a second one on it? They said, oh, wow, that sounds okay. I didn't expect that. So we did a second book. The second one, the first one was more like a global tour of the World's Fair, where everything was. The second one was more about how was it designed, how was it built, where did all the pieces go? So that did well. And then, uh, I meanwhile, I wrote a, another book on, I, I started writing other books on different World's Fairs. Uh, and I wrote those on my own because Billy Young didn't have any interest or involvement in those. Then the publisher said, hey, we're thinking about getting into color books now. We can write our first color book. So I said, okay. So we wrote our third book on the 64 World's Fair. Meanwhile, I have not turned off the collecting mania, and I recently tried to figure out, uh, would anybody like to guess roughly how many pictures I have of the 64 World's Fair? Oh, my gosh. You got to have, like, uh, I want to say, like, thousands. Yeah, mm -hmm. like 5,000. Yeah. Lots and lots. I can't even imagine. It's close to 30,000. Oh. oh, my <laughs> word. Yeah, I had it's fun of, when it's I... It's a lot of film. <laughs> Well, and I, I'm looking at my closet. I don't know when I'm ever going to get to restore some of these. Uh, oh, it's man. a, you know, oh, must buy. And I'm trying to pare it down. I'm trying to say, oh, God, I can't keep doing this. And then some auction will tell people, well, that's pretty. You know? <laughs> but I joked, I was given a talk at the uh, 50th anniversary of the World's Fair. And I said to people, uh, you know, I, I just want to let you know I've locked the doors. I'm going to show every photo I own. And that if I show for one second each, we'll be out of here in 7.8 days. You know, here we go. But, <laughs> but no, I, 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 I had a very high pressure job over the years. And, you know, uh, like for, when I left Disney, I went to Warner Brothers to set up their computer security. And I ended up being in charge of the computer systems around the world for Warner Brothers. So I had I basically did business in 23 different countries and I would go over to them. I've got 99 trips into London, for example, um, trying to get to number 100. But, you know, I'd, I'd be doing all, and I had staff back in the States. I had a staff in Tokyo, a staff in London, a staff in New York. So there's always something going on. And when I'm working in the photos and I got to, okay, how do I fix the color damage of it? And I don't know how do I take that scratch across that lady's face? And how do I clone that out? I could be doing that and work on a picture for an hour of somebody I don't know and realize I never once thought about budget schedules, layoffs, hiring, you know, uh, performance plans for problem people. So uh, some people take up golf, some people take up drinking. I took up Photoshop, you know, and I, I don't know which of them that's more addictive. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I've got 13 books out now on World Series and the publishers said, you know, when's your next one? And it's like, Oh man, I don't have any time. You know, I, I, uh, 
you know, I, I don't know how I ever did any of this when I was working, but I, I, I stopped working, uh, oh God, full time 11 years ago. I took early retirement and I, I had been behind my desk or running around the world most of the time. And I've been a volunteer with the LAPD for 31 years now. And 11 years ago, I said, I'd like to get out to the field. So I, I, I do bike patrol, I do car patrol, and I, I run all the volunteers for my division of the LAPD, which, you know, I, I, when I, I stop working, I don't want to manage people anymore. So what am I doing? I'm managing people. <laughs> but I, I, I spend two, three days a week on patrol for the LAPD. So again, you know, you look at your career, you know, and, and you know, your computer guy, Disney guy and everything. And now it's thirty euros. How fast you were going? <laughs> so, you know, well, you I, got you got both ends of the spectrum. You started as the criminal mastermind, and now you're working for the LAPD. What was interesting when I went for my background check thirty-one years ago, I had to tell them, you know, hey, I, you know, I got arrested, but never convicted, never convicted. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the fact that I had a very high-level government security clearance was a, a very good thing in my favor. Yeah. I had to tell my kids, though, when they were going to college, all the things that you remember hearing that dad did when he was in college, don't do any of them. (laughs) See, Bill, it's perfect now because since you have appeared on Behind the Attraction, those that you pull over can say, hey, this is the officer that pulled me over. (laughs) Is is, Is that true? You know, it it, it it is every now and then. What, what happens more often is you'll be standing someplace, like online, to get some food, and somebody says, where do I know you from? And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, well, I, mean, I do these things for Disney. Maybe you see it. No, I haven't. And then I realize, oh, I remember you. I hope you don't remember me. <laughs> <laughs> so it, 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 it does happen uh, that sometimes people do recognize you. And, and, you know, for the most part, if you try to treat people, uh, you know, uh, with respect and, you know, uh, you know, try to explain why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, most, most, most people react well to it. Uh, every now and then somebody doesn't go with the program, but, uh, luckily that has not, not, not been a problem. I've got so many questions. I know we're getting close to our, to our hour and, you know, Bill, we might have to have you come back on to talk more. I don't know which way I want to go. I don't know if I want to ask my world fair question or if I want to ask about, I'm going to go, I'm going to jump back to, to TV because you have all of your world fair stuff, but you also wrote a lot about Disney television. And and I know you said you grew up liking Zorro and some of those classic Disney shows. And you wrote a book, right, about Disney television and, and all the stuff they produced. But it went to, what was it, 97, the book? Yeah, what had happened was, I, I mentioned earlier that I could take home all the theatrical uh, uh, you know productions on, on, on film. Uh, they had copies of all that, but they didn't have copies of a lot of the TV shows that you could borrow. So right. I wanted to see this stuff. I wanted to see Zorro. I went to see Davy Crockett or whatever. So always being a thinker or a conniver, I said, if I form an employee film club at the studio, I could screen this stuff in the studio theater. So <laughs> what we would do is, and it worked out really well. We we take a sh- TV show like The Story of Dogs about the making of Lady and the Tramp. And I would invite the film's director, uh, Jerry Geronimi, back to the studio to talk about the making of The Lady and the Tramp. And Jerry was thrilled. He hadn't been back to the studio in 12 years or something. So we'd have uh, be in the studio theater, and I would go to the archives, and I would uh, do all the research on the, the TV show, uh, what we're going to do. So I, I'd stand up at the beginning, hi, thanks so much for coming. We're going to be looking at the story of dogs. It was on this date, everything. And then uh, 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 here's Jerry Geronimi, and after the show, we're going to do a panel discussion. So I was always in the archives. Dave Smith uh, was super nice. He he let me have access to anything I wanted. It was just, you talk about a kid in a candy store. The archives was across the street from the, uh, I did three different offices at Disney over the years, and we were right across the street from the animation building. I would just run over there, you know, going through stuff. Well, I, I had taken all these notes, and then I left Disney to go to Warner Brothers. And I really liked Disney, but Warner Brothers basically said, we'll give you 40% more to do the same job. I said, okay, that would buy a lot of free Disneyland tickets. Yeah, so, yeah. But Disney kept calling me and saying, um, what show was it that we did so-and-such in? And I go, oh, well, you know, off the top of my head, it was this one. What show did we do that in? And I started thinking, well, maybe there's some interest in this stuff. So I started shopping around uh, to publishers a book on Disney television, and none of them wanted to do it because of uh, the Disney legal department. They were all scared to death of doing it. But I kept pushing at it. You know, and I, I, I literally, this is no joke. I had a reserved parking spot at the Disney studio, a parking spot at Warner Brothers. I 
jump up from my desk at Warner Brothers. I'd run over to Disney, working, researching, working on this book. That I'm thinking maybe someday someone will buy. Disney comes along and they said, uh, we're going to uh, sponsor the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago, uh, re grand reopening, and we need somebody to curate the exhibit. Would you do that? And I said, okay, you know, pick the 100 best hours of Disney television. And then they flew me, Fess Parker, and Dave Smith to Chicago for the weekend to do a panel discussion of uh, Disney television. And I talked to Fess before, but, you know, mostly like over the phone sort of thing. Now I'm here. My dad flew out from New York for the weekend, and we're sitting in a hotel bar drinking, you know, and, and you know, I, I, this is great. You know, because Fess was a pilot, I'm a pilot. So we talked about the types of airplanes we flew, what are the characteristics of his versus mine, what airports we went to. Oh, yeah, don't ever deal with that mechanic. He's no good or anything. <laughs> and my dad and Fess hit it off like two guys that, you know, had gone to college together or something. So at the end of the night, Fess said, you know, I got to tell you, this is one of the nicest nights I've had. We just spent two and a half hours talking, and not once did we mention the coonskin cap. You know, so, I mean, to me, again, I was in the right spot. You know, I mean, Disney pays to send me to Chicago to go drinking with Fess Parker. How do you yeah. get better than that? <laughs> so I kept working on the book and doing other Disney projects and Disney things. And then it, my wife called me up one day and said, uh, Disney just called. They want to publish your book. And I said, yeah, right. Which one of my friends is, uh, you know, pulling my leg? He goes, no, no, it's Wendy Lefkon from Disney. I go, that is the lady. So, uh, we, you know, and they said, uh, you know, uh, we need the book by a certain date. Is it almost ready? Go, oh, yeah, yeah, no sweat, right? Well, the trouble is I had done all the really cool chapters. I had done Zorro and I had done Mickey Mouse Club and everything. And now I get down to writing the, all the touchstone stuff they were putting out. And uh, I literally was going, I was getting by in about four hours sleep to turn the thing in and finally got it, uh, you know, shipped off and, and sent out to them. But it, one real funny story you may appreciate about Disney fandom. I had been trying to get people to do this book and nobody wanted to do it. And I was asked to speak at the National Fantasy Fan Club convention. And I went down and gave a talk about Zorro. And then I said, if you uh, really like it, uh, you can go to my website, which was on CompuServe if I want to date myself. And I said, I had the first chapter of the Disney book there. If you like it, there's an address, write to Disney and, uh, you know, uh, tell them you want to see the book. So Disney said, okay, you know, we want to do the book. And, you know, we're going through all the negotiations and everything. At one point, somebody says, do you have a really big family? And I said, oh, average, why? You know, it's because we're getting letters about your book from Brazil. We're getting letters to do your <laughs> book from the United Kingdom. About every state is writing. How, how did you get so many people to write to us? And I said, well, I put the first chapter of the book on the Internet. And I said, what's the Internet? Well, <laughs> to make a long story short, I made more money helping start Disney.com than I made selling the book. <laughs> so if they, I, uh, again, I put it out there as a way to do it. They had no idea what to do it. So I said, oh, well, let me show you how you do marketing on the Internet. So uh, wow. you know, it worked out well. <laughs> this is amazing. We need, like, 14 more episodes just to talk this, about this, this all seems the stuff like, that you've done. It, it seems like there's just so many layers and we're just at the top part. All right. To to end up with this episode, you know, the, the big thing on Disney Plus right now, as we mentioned before, is uh, behind the attraction series that's going on. So why don't you tell listeners about um, the episodes that you were on and what you talked about? Yeah, you know, doing that was interesting because uh, uh, we, I get the request, would you come in and tape with us? What do you want to talk about? We'll figure that out when we get there. Okay. So you go in, you know, like today without anything really planned, any script, and uh, you, you talk. And then uh, it, we, we taped it, and then nothing happened for about two and a half years or so because of the pandemic, right? So I didn't, you never know. So you do these interviews, and you never know how much they're going to use until you see it on the air. Like I did one for uh the peter pan dvd and i think i'm on it for like 32 seconds you know taped for an hour you know so okay you, you know you just gotta you know you end up on the cutting room floor so i start watching the uh uh behind the attractions and I go oh oh i didn't know i was on that one because again they haven't told me anything i didn't know i was on it which episode i was on until i watched it and uh i had seen the coming attraction trailer so i knew they were using some of me on it but then, oh, okay, I'm talking, I don't remember, I guess we talked about the Jungle Cruise, okay, you know, and then you show, oh, I guess we talked about the Haunted Mansion, so 
to me, until I saw him, I had no idea what I was going to show up on. <laughs> and uh, it was a kick. And uh, about a month ago, I was at uh, the Disney Barn. As a matter of fact, if you come out here to go to California, you have to come out and see Walt's Barn at Griffith Park. It's the barn where he made his little steam train. And they do a, an event out there every month. They bring different people to come in and talk in that. And uh, we hadn't been there for a while. And uh, uh, the Disney archivist, Becky Klein, uh, and another friend, Paula Sigmund Lowry, were doing a book signing. So we went there just to say hi to them. And I was listening to a, a, a musician play. And uh, this kid tugs on my shirt. And I'm thinking I'm blocking his view or something. And I said, can I help you? And he says, are you Bill Cotter? And I said, yeah, how did you know that? He goes, oh, I saw you on Behind the Attractions. And he said, I want to be an Imagineer. And, uh, you know, everybody tells me it's impossible. And I said, no, it's really not. I said, you know, and I joke, you know, I, I, I like the kid. Around. I said, look, if I could do it, anybody could do it, you know. <laughs> but I said, you got to, you know, find something that you're good at and you got to stick to it. But I said, most of all, you got to believe in yourself and you got to go to school. And you, you got to, you know, because if you just come out of uh, this with high school, I mean, I don't know if I could get my old job with Disney back. You know, I mean, they're hiring geniuses these days. Uh, but I told this kid, look, you just got to keep pushing at it. I said, I first wrote to Disney. They told me we don't uh, need you. Thanks. Tried again. Hey, the next thing you know, I'm, I'm there. Uh, you know, met my wife at Disney. Had great fun with it. So, you know, that's my advice to people is that, you know, uh, everybody poo-poo's it. You'll never get in. It's too big a company. You look at people. I don't know if you can do like, you guys probably know Tony Baxter. Mm -hmm. He was, you know, the guy behind Big Thunder and all these things. Yeah. Tony came in. He started as an ice cream scooper on Main Street. You know, became now he's a Disney legend. Well, whether or not you're going to be able to do that in today's Disney, I don't know. But nobody's saying you can't. So uh, to me, you know, all these people that keep thinking about maybe I should, maybe I could, you know, the next time you're down at Disney World, look around, decide, you know, maybe that's the place I'd want to work, you know. And these days you're lucky. You don't even have to shave, you know. <laughs> yeah, that'd be tough yeah. for me. It grows quick. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you, that was one thing that was funny. I had long hair, uh, you know, because I worked at the studio and we didn't have to have the Disney style haircut. But when I went on stage, I had to get hairspray or whatever to put it back. And I was down there at, at Florida and they have this thing they call course utilization that when it gets really, really busy, they go through the offices like a chain gang. Everybody in this room, come with me. They put you in a chipmunk suit or something and i i kept thinking i'm safe they're never going to put me out in the park because my hair is too long they put me out with the uh, davy crockett explorer canoes because the hat went over my ears <laughs> one day of pushing people around that uh, uh the islands they get halfway around they get tired and you got to bring it back i went out that night i got a haircut so i never had to do davy crockett <laughs> a second day <laughs> But no, my, again, if I can give anybody any advice, you know, uh, don't let anybody tell you no. Um, you know, uh, I, I was very, very lucky, right spot at the right time. And there's some kid out there today is going to be in the right spot at the right time. And, uh, it, you know, Disney, you know, they talk about the pixie dust. It's really that kind of company. It's uh, you, you meet some really neat people. I mean, I, I'm still in touch with people that I met, you know, well, almost 50 years ago when, when I started there. All right. Why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us your uh, your website? Tell what they can find there and anything that you are currently working on right now. Yeah, as, as uh, uh, Lisa mentioned, there's two websites. One is very easy to remember, BillCotter.com. Same as my name. Uh, and on that, I have some Disney things people might uh, appreciate. There's uh, the Zorro uh, section on there. There's some stuff about the uh, Gold Note Ranch. Uh, you know, Disney's. Uh, branch out here is all of about 10 miles from where I'm sitting right now uh, and some other odds and ends. Then the other one is worldsfairphotos.com. And uh, on that, I've tried to take the world's fairs uh, and, and share some of my photo collection. And I also have information on uh, each of the books that are out there. Uh, people can find the books at you know Amazon or Barnes and Noble or whatever, but I'm also uh, more than happy to sell them through uh, the website. And I always try to throw something extra in if it's an extra ticket to the world's fair or you know so, something that uh you know in there but also i'll just warn people you can go down a rat hole like on this new york the 64 world's fair i have every pavilion i have the original soundtracks for the nightly fireworks show i have all sorts of stuff out there so people say oh man i found your website i was up until three in the morning it's not my fault but I enjoy it, and I do. I really do enjoy hearing from people that have been, uh, you know, at the World's Fairs, 
uh, at Disneyland that want to exchange information. And one of the things that does happen from time to time is people say, I, this happened, uh, it's happened a couple of times that people have found themselves in my pictures. There was one guy that said, we went to Disneyland. I lost my uh, camera. You know, my dad lost the camera. We were there on this particular day. Uh, do you happen to have any pictures, whatever day it was, June 13th, 1968 or something? Happened to have it. And there's the pictures. And uh, his mother and father are standing there waiting outside the men's room, waiting for him to come out. So he didn't show up in the picture, but he was thrilled to find his mother and, and father and wow. sister bought pictures of Disneyland. So I get a kick out of stuff like that when it happens. How random is that? It is. <laughs> You know, for the 30,000 pictures I have of the World's Fair, one of the things I am always looking for is me and my brother. And so far, I haven't found it. But sooner or later, I'm going to spot it. It's going to be there. <laughs> I appreciate the, the chance to uh, talk to you folks. Like I said, I, I, I'm very lucky. I, I You know, I, I joke a lot. Uh, you know, my biggest World's Fair souvenir is my wife. Because uh, I, I, if I hadn't gone to the World's Fair, I wouldn't have gone to Disney. Gone, hadn't gone to Disney, I wouldn't have met her. She worked in... Uh, Disney Foreign Department and uh, Imagineering, and then the, at the Disney Channel. So uh, you know, uh, and I, like I said, many many good friends from the, the Disney days, and I, I was very very lucky, and I still consider myself lucky. I still do some stuff for Disney. You know, there's always the stuff you can't talk about, but it's fun. And when it comes out, you go, know, see, that's where I've been the last six months. So it's <laughs> it's fun. Well, I actually think we're lucky because Bill, as you know, we've been trying to get Bill on for a while now, and uh, just due to scheduling and us having some different things going on, we finally got him on. But, Bill, we definitely have to have you come on again to talk more yes. about uh, Disney, the history. And I think I think we're only scratching the surface on what you really know. And I know you're probably a super spy and you don't want to talk about it. But, you know, we don't we don't we don't have to go down there um, down that path. But. Again, thank you for coming on, and we'll go ahead and wrap up the show here. We want to thank you again for tuning into another wonderful episode of Sharing the Magic. As always, please hit that follow button to stay up to date on the latest episodes, and please tell your friends to tune in wherever they listen to awesome podcasts like this one. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Sharing the Magic Pod. And until next time, please keep sharing the magic.